It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarta. I'm a franchise advisor and coach, and I help people find franchises throughout America. I've been doing it for 17 years. Longest time I've done, I think, anything in my life except for being married. <laughs> and I work with folks who are frustrated with their career and they want to make a change. People that cringe at the thought of going to work in the morning and have like the Sunday night scaries. Um, I work with folks that want to diversify their investments and keep their job, but own something on the side. So if you're interested in all of that, check out my website, thefranchiseacademy.com. Check out my book, uh, Franchise Savvy, number one bestseller on Amazon, and also my brand new course on how to buy a franchise, A to Z. You could do it all without ever having to talk to me if you don't want to. So um, check that all out. Again, franchiseacademy.com. Really excited because I have Roxanne Conrad with me. Roxanne is a dynamo in the business world. And 360 Painting, which is a franchise that I know very well, and I know the founder very well, they were lucky enough to scoop up Roxanne as a franchise owner. And then after five years, now she's the president of the company. So a dynamic background from Xerox to residential painting, and working with the kennel club in between, just, in a, just a dynamite lady. I'm honored to have Roxanne on my show. Roxanne, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> that was the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. <laughs> really? I, I can say Except more. for maybe my husband. <laughs> I can say more, but I don't want to top him. But <laughs> no, this, this is so awesome. Um, so 360 painting. And give, give me like a 60-second snapshot of what the company is. Yeah, so 360 Painting is a, like you said, uh, a franchise um, through premium service brands. Uh, premium service brands offers all types of different franchises and home services. Uh, 360 Painting is a residential and commercial painter. Um, and uh, we are increasing our locations nationwide. So um, for either customers who are looking to get painting services done Contact your local 360 Painting. Um, if you're looking to own a franchise, uh, whether it's direct owner or semi-absentee, um, 360 Painting provides a great model for um, people that are, are looking to own a business, uh, kind of be entrepreneurial, but uh, not necessarily have to learn everything the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, franchise is a business with training wheels. That's the way I like to explain it. Um, for most people, that's really what you need, whether you realize it or not, because... Running a business, I don't care if it's painting, I don't care if it's a bakery, I don't care if it's an auto mechanic, that's only 10% of the business. It's all the other stuff, which really you need to know how to do well in order to be successful. But you said something called that we call semi-absentee or manager run. So from your perspective, can you share with the audience what you mean by that? Sure. Yeah. So semi-absentee um, in our model is exactly that, right? It's an owner 
that um, is making the business decisions based off of all the information that they're getting, but they're not in it day to day. So they're not running the day to day operations of the business that is usually a GM or um, some other kind of manager put into place um, where employees or subcontractors, whatever are being used to kind of do the work. Um, are reporting to someone else. And a semi-absentee owner is someone who most times has uh, another you know, full-time job or maybe they're semi-retired um, and they're looking to kind of supplement their income. Um, so they're still making you know, the big business decisions, um, but they're not focused on the day-to-day decisions. They leave that up to someone else that they've hired and put into that role. So in your opinion, what would be a, a good person that could do like what what would their skill set be that would make them a good you know semi absentee owner yeah um so someone who's got a lot of drive to succeed um and you know is used to and familiar with kind of looking at the numbers um managing people cuz again you're going to still want to have that leadership quality of managing you know whoever your gm or or manager is in place um but also comfortable with releasing the reins right so um maybe not for the control freaks out there <laughs> cuz they're going to want to jump into the day to day um but for those that are are really comfortable with uh, providing, you know, expectations to someone and then releasing the reins, letting the person run the way that they're supposed to run and just holding them accountable to it. So delegation, you got to be good to delegate. Yes. <laughs> I get that. So 2018, you guys bought a 360 painting franchise. We sure did. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> You know, the, the background of that story is really that um, my husband and I met each other at work, believe it or not. We worked for a subsidiary of Xerox. We've actually only ever not worked together one year of our lives or one year of our marriage, I should say. Um, we reviewed multiple franchise options um, and we started going down that route because um as everyone's kind of aware, this is becoming more and more of a paperless world. So we worked for Xerox. Um, there's only so much paperless you can get in that industry. Um, so we thought maybe it might be time to diversify the family portfolio. Um, my husband in particular always wanted to run his own business. So we started doing our research, um, and, um, he was in data analytics. I was in marketing aside from being consultants. That's not really something you can go be an entrepreneur in. Um, so we started looking at franchises and, uh, we did our, like I said, we did our research. We reviewed multiple franchise options, um, one of the things that really stuck out to us was in the home services and uh, painting specifically, there was kind of this like systematic or systemic sense of, um, oh, how do I want to put this up? Uh, lack of focus around the customer experience, right? Um, to, to say it kindly. Um, the trade services were primarily focused on final product. Uh, having providing a good paint job, for example. Um, we found a lot of examples where customers were complaining about a lack of communication or process. Um, and, you know, yeah, they got a great, you know, paint job, but they didn't have a great experience along the way. So um, 
you know, we had a background in implementing process. I had a background in customer experience and focus on uh, creating a great customer experience. So we thought, you know, we could shake up the market um, and, and really kind of turn things around and build a business that is in this industry and focus more on providing a great customer experience and a really quality, you know, end product. Awesome. So uh, I love all the due diligence because you really never know. And I'm sure you didn't wake up in the morning and say, man, I want to quit what I'm doing and buy a painting franchise, right? I don't know that anybody does that. But once you understand the attributes of the business, you're like, wait a second, you know, and then you look at even potential that you could do and how you can help people, how you create jobs. Although with this business, uh, do you have employees or are you doing more subcontracting work or? Yeah. So, so we do a, we run a dual model. Um, so we do have subcontractors um, and, you know, we're in the Midwest. So we have a, uh, a changing business structure, right? We can only do you in Florida um, get the benefit of like year round exterior work. We have to do the, you know, the amount of exteriors that are requested, but in this truncated timeline uh, right there in the spring and the summer, um, cause you never know when snow is going to fall. It could fall April 30th. It could fall October 1st. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we run a dual model. We have subcontractors, um, that we're using. Um, and actually a lot of our teams have been with us for multiple years now. Um, but we also have full-time painters and we obviously also have some, um, other employees too. So we have, uh, territory managers that go out and do the estimates for us. We have a scheduling manager that does a scheduling process. Um, and these are full-time employees. Um, we have, um, a couple crews of painters that are full-time and we keep them employed year round. Um, and then, like I said, we also run the subcontractor model, especially because of the seasonality of our business. Wow. Okay. That's great. I didn't realize that it could operate like that. So that, that's really a cool thing. So um, as you're thinking about, or as, as somebody's out there listening and are thinking about a franchise and all of a sudden they hear about this opportunity, um, what would you, what advice would you give them in, in regard to their investigation and whether they should consider a business like this? Yeah. So um, a, a couple of things, right? So I think the first thing is you have to do a self-assessment um, and kind of understand who you are as an individual, a leader, what's your level of risk you're willing to take both, you know, financially, but also kind of emotionally, because becoming an owner of a business, you become responsible for a lot of things. So you really have to kind of do a self-analysis and understand where, you know, how willing are you to be that leader and you know, the buck stops with you. You're going to have to turn people at some point. Are you going to be okay with that? You know, this is, you're responsible for putting food on people's table. So there's all of these things. So you have to do this kind of self-assessment and understand where your level of um, kind of tolerance is for those things. Um, and also financial. So, you know, where are you currently at financially? Um, all the different franchises have different levels of commitment in terms of initial kind of buy-in. Um, and you also have to understand what that, you know, cash flow expectation is going to look like from a budgeting perspective. So what do you, what are you willing to have 
sitting there and invest in from an annual perspective? Um, and how tolerant of are you of you know making those investments when you might not see the output that you're looking for after 90 days, after 180 days, and you might have to wait you know, 12 months to kind of see and recoup some of that. So I would say that's probably the most critical piece of uh, jumping into um, any type of business ownership, but certainly a franchise model. Yeah, sure. And, and great advice. I always share with people, you really, as you start something, number one, scared money don't make money. So if you're going to be that kind of thing, scared about losing, you know, if you're coming from the perspective of, you know, playing to not lose instead of playing to win, that could be a problem. Um, and then you need to have three buckets of money filled in, in order to be successful, right? So you need the, uh, the money to get open, then you need the money to run the business because you're not going to make a profit in the first day, the first month, and maybe even the first year, depending on the business. So you need to have that money to support the business. But then the third bucket that most people forget is the money to pay your bills at home as you're trying to build the business. And, yeah. and if you don't have that, you're going to kind of go crazy. Uh, and be very scared if you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay a mortgage in, in a slow month. So, so that's really super great advice. So you're also on, uh, are you still part of the Franchise Advisory Council as, a, as the president of the company? or did you step down? I run it now. <laughs> uh, so I officially retired as a Franchise Advisory Council member. Um, about 30 days before I took uh, the position, and now I actually oversee the FAC. <laughs> so explain what, what a FAC is, Franchise Advisory Council. What is that? Sure. So a Franchise Advisory Council is a group of franchise owners um, that um, are, and, and by the way, everyone kind of, every franchise might run this a little differently, but I'll explain how, how uh, we run ours. Um, it's a group of owners that we look to uh, to help us as the franchisor um, do a couple of different things. Um, we kind of look at them as the liaison between the system, the franchisees themselves, and the franchisor. So we are trying to use them to communicate and disseminate information. Um, so a lot of times between you know the business coaches and them, those are our first points of contact when we're rolling things out. So if it's initiatives, if it's announcements, a lot of times they're going to hear about it first. Um, that way they can provide us some feedback, right? So whether it's, hey, hold on, red flag, there's going to be all these questions, or it's, this is great, so exciting. Um, we use them for that. The other thing we use them for, um, and uh, we get their commitment on this, is that when we do have rollouts, when we do have initiatives, that they are the first people to raise their hand and say me first, right? So we want them going through all of the transitions, all of the new systems. We want them joining and, and running through those first. Again, we trust their feedback. We trust their input. We ask them to be very uh, open and candid. Um, and so they help us then build rollout strategies. Um, we run them as pilots a lot, basically, and test markets. Yeah. So that's part of being on the FAC. And then the last part is truthfully that we use them as kind of the first point of contact, right? There's only so many people within the corporate environment 
And there's a lot more franchisees than there are um, franchise or people that can answer questions. So the FAC is a great point of contact because if you're a new franchisee or maybe you've been around for a little while and you have a question, a lot of times the FAC has the answer or they can direct you to where to go. So we use the Franchise Advisory Council um, in a multitude of ways, but that kind of sums it up. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And 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 I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's a lot of people that are listening that don't own a franchise don't realize that there is that kind of balance. And, and I I often think of it as like the House of Representatives and, and the government, you know, they're representing the people. And so here they're representing the franchise owners. And, and if you have a problem, you can talk to the FAC person and and get your problem, you know, to the to the top. Um, so, so I love that, but then you had brought out, uh, earlier that, um, before we went on the air, that there's a woman's coalition within the franchise. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 360 painting is part of home services, um, commonly referred to as trades, right? And let's be honest, uh, there's not a whole lot of women leaders in the trades, there's, there's just not. Um, and so one of the things that we found is um, we have a lot of either women-owned franchisees within the 360 system or partnership franchisees like my, my husband and I, right? Um, so women that are heavily involved in the ownership and the operations of the system. Um, and, and so one of the things that PSB did um, was kind of roll out a peer group that was just for the women owners. Um, and so prior to this position, um, I was a heavy participant in that. Um, and as I shared with you, probably some of the most candid and open-ended conversations of any call I've joined at PSB in, you know, four plus years, almost five years now. Um, I think, you know, everyone on that group is just very comfortable with each other. So no topic is taboo. And, you know, everyone comes to it with a pretty good attitude. That's why we're there. We're there to learn from each other. We're there to share best practices. Um, and, and there's there's no men talking over us. <laughs> ah, want me. Yes. So, um, and I'm trying to watch my p's and q's here. So, <laughs> no, that's great. I it's so I think that's really unique. I don't know of really any other organization that has that. I'm sure there are things like that. I know that there are. You know, within the International Franchise Association, is women's uh, franchise owner groups and things like that. This is unique. I think, and and how many women owners would you say you have? Uh, I think there's about 20 that are, you know, active participants of ownership. Yeah. That's huge. That's probably, I'm trying to do math in my head, but 10 or 20% of the whole system, I guess. 20%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Man, I got to call my math teacher from third grade and tell him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, no, so that that is so great. Um, for you, from where you sit now, and you have some great experience being a franchise owner, now you're the president of 360 Painting. What makes a good franchise owner, in your opinion? Yeah, so I'm going to say there's two pieces that really um, stick out as far as being a successful franchisee. Um, the first one is drive. Um, and I think that that correlates to just a successful person in general, right? So um, you can't teach it, you can't train it. 
Successful people are driven to find a way to be successful. They find a way. Um, so, you know, uh, I kind of say it like this, right? A successful person is successful despite roadblocks and obstacles versus, you know, being unsuccessful. People are unsuccessful unsuccessful because of those roadblocks and obstacles. So drive is drive is number one. Um, the other thing in terms of being a successful franchisee is having a great relationship and partnership with a franchisor, right? So, um, you know, not everyone is able to adopt every single thing that a franchisor throws at them. Um, and, and that's part of being in the role of franchisor is to provide a lot of options, right? To provide a model that we found, hey, if you're following this model, this should work, right? We've, we've seen this day over day, year over year, successful owner over successful owner. Here's a model that, that works. Um, and, and to provide all the technical pieces, you know, the, the, um, uh, marketing aspects, playbooks, coaching opportunities, um, a successful person will, a successful franchisee will take advantage of as much as possible and adopt as much as possible to just launch their business forward um, versus again, you know, going back to being an entrepreneur or being a franchisee. If you're an entrepreneur, you're doing it all yourself. You're learning it all yourself. And there's a lot more setbacks because you have to learn it all yourself. If you're in a franchise system, you've got this opportunity from a franchisor. You've got a model, you've got marketing playbooks, you've got, uh, you know, different technical aspects that are rolled out to you and platforms that you can use. And you don't have to go research all of those. So you take away all that time and all that time can then be reinvested in growing your business um, and being successful from, you know, day one versus day 366. Right. Yeah. I think so. one of my friends said it um, pretty succinctly, when you're buying a franchise, you're paying a franchise fee. That fee gets you to the head of the line in regard yeah. to breaking even or getting your doors open first, right? And then getting to a profit or a break even on a month-to-month -month basis. And, and the systems are there. Um, and, and it's interesting because there's a lot of people who will not follow the system and then complain that they're not making any money. Um, and then it's like, but did you do this? Like, yeah, but I didn't because I had, you know, I'm putting out this fire. I'm like, yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta do it all um, because it's your baby. You gotta make it happen. So, right. so that's great. That's where drive comes in. It's the drive, right? So you make a way or you make an excuse. That's right. So as the president of 360 Painting, what's the vision for the company? Yeah. So um, I'm really glad you asked that because um, I'm the most excited about where we're going. Um, and the vision for the future. And it's really, really aligning um, with the overall vision of premium service brands. Um, and so the vision of 360 Painting, uh, truthfully, is, and quite succinctly, to be the easiest painting company to do business with. Mm. That's it. That's what we want to be. Um, you know, we, we are going to have a huge focus on that customer experience. Um, right now, what we're seeing in the consumer, consumer market is the desire to have things be easy or simple, 
for people, right? Customers want to get quotes. They want to schedule their home projects quickly, efficiently. They want communication and updates on a large on larger scale projects. Um, and then obviously they want the finished product to reflect the investment. So we just want to make things simple and easy for our customers. Love that. Love, I just love the simplicity. And, and, and the whole business is simple. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, I've, I've presented as a consultant 360 painting to people. And right, like, they're like, I can just go to Home Depot and buy paint and a ladder and make some business cards and I'm in business. But that's not what this is. Now you have to figure out, how am I going to get those customers? Am I, right. I going to use Yellow Pages? Well, yeah, you can, but you're not, you know, nobody looks at Yellow Page. I mean, like all those stupid little things that, that are not stupid because they're going to wreck your business. So you're buying into that. And then it's just simple. Uh, it's so great. I just love that so much. So if someone is listening to the podcast, what advice would you have for them as, as they're thinking about this whole thing? Like, what's one thing that you wish you knew before you got into business? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to steal a little bit from a conversation I had with our COO uh, about maybe two weeks ago or so. And I've heard him start to repeat this. And oh, my gosh, is he right? Um, so <clears throat> I think the hardest part about being a business owner, and I kind of touched on this earlier, is the realization that not all things are mutually exclusive of each other. Right. <laughs> so, for example, um, it's really easy to, you know, let an employee go who um, did something wrong or had a bad conversation with a customer or did something unethical. Like that's easy, right? The hard part is letting a good person go because they're not the right fit or they're not the right fit for the position or the culture. Um, I, I think that I wish coming into this business I had a better understanding of what owning a business really and truly entailed in terms of the need for leadership. And my husband and I both both have had leadership roles in corporate America, but oh my goodness, sometimes it's more like being a psychiatrist than it is like being a business owner, you know? So I wish I had just had that like sense of it's not just going to be about getting customers. It's also going to be about getting and retaining employees and making sure that they're adopting your culture and what is your culture going to be and, and making sure that they're promoting it um, on every call um, and, and even internally with each other. Um, so that's something that, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't exactly, I mean, I knew that part of it was that, but I wasn't exactly uh, just dialed into that aspect of it until, you know, we were about six months in and we had a couple employees and, you know, it's, it's employee development time. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. I can relate. I mean, not, not to kind of steal this whole thing, but I had an employee who um, were working in the Jacob Javits Convention Center selling smoothies. So the convention center is owned by the state. So it's a state federal building. And um, one of my employees got into an altercation uh, with a customer and it became a federal case because, you know, and so I'm trying to referee that whole thing. And I'm like, oh, oh. you know, that's not, there's not why I bought a franchise, you know, so things happen. Um, 
And then that was probably the worst day I ever had in business. Other than that, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, and neither would I. It's just that aspect of kind of going into it. If if somebody had told me, you know, hey, the health of your business, right? <laughs> and sometimes the relationship with your customer has to come first. Um, I, I think if I had had that in the forefront of my mind day one, uh, we we maybe would have springboarded a little bit faster. But I, I'm certainly not, you know, um, regretting the the road that we took to get here. <laughs> yeah. it seemed to work out so far. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that, that's one thing I would, I would say uh, new owners keep in the forefront of your mind. Cool. That's a, fan, I, that's a piece of advice I have not gotten from somebody on an interview here on the podcast. So that is great. Appreciate that so much. Is, is your husband still running the franchise now while you're? Yeah. So I'm the semi-absentee <laughs> and, and he's more running um, uh, the day-to-day operations. He's, he's our GM basically. So do you fly in for like, um, I don't know, confirmation day, you know, meet the team days for new prospects and things like that? Yeah. So um, I leave my three and one year old at home with dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a, that was a, that actually wasn't a tough sell. He's a great dad. So he doesn't mind doing it, but yeah. So I fly into corporate. Um, uh, so far it's been kind of once a month um, in the next several months, it's going to be quite a bit more because we've got convention coming up and a systems training. So we've got some things going on. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm flying into corporate and kind of meeting and greeting some of the, the uh, potential owners or the new owners, and then um, coming in for conferences, conventions, meetings, etc. So where's your conference going to be this year? Uh, I'm really excited. Nashville. Okay, cool. <laughs> And we have been we have been meaning to get to Nashville for years now. It's been on what we love to travel, obviously, with little kids, though, that kind of goes out the window. So we've been Nashville has been on our radar for years and we ne- we didn't make it before the littles were born. So I'm super excited. Convention is there now. We're going to extend and kind of yeah. tour around a little bit. You should do that. Absolutely. And, that, and that's like another aspect of franchising that people don't know as they're looking at a franchise is typically every franchise will have a national convention once a year. And as they get bigger, they'll have regional meetings and, and things. But, you know, you go to this national convention and you're with every franchise owner mm-hmm. and people are sharing best practices. So it's a lot of times the best information that you get as a franchise owner comes from fellow franchisees, not so much corporate. And, and it's because they're on the ground, they're doing it, they're figuring out different best practices. And, and so, and a lot of times they're in just great places. So um, most of the time they're in a very great place. Yeah, I would agree. Convention is kind of the best time of year to be a franchisee and you're spot on, right? So a franchisor, I don't, I don't view the franchisor as um, the dissemination of best practices. I view them as the coordination of best practices, right? So they're the ones bringing people together and it's really your fellow franchisees and sometimes across brands, right? So it's not even necessarily within your own brand because let's be honest, owning a business, um, there's a lot of business decisions that are best practices across any type of business. Um, and so it's really helpful to hear sometimes your other you know, uh, uh, brands come in and kind of talk to the same topics and some of the things that they've learned. So, and you might not hear that throughout the year, but convention is a great place to get that information. 
So in this particular case, it's premium service brands, and they have how many different concepts, different laterals? There's 10, right? So, uh, so it's a convention for all 10 concepts or just, oh, it is? Uh, every, the whole family. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's great. That's even better. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and a lot of the breakout sessions are topical based off of business topics. So they're not brand topics. You'll still have your brand breakouts, but they're just about you know topical business practices. Oh, that's great. I speak at conferences all the time. I don't think I've spoken at one with 10 different verticals. That's so cool. Um, so are you staying at the uh, Opryland? Like, yeah, be- Lord. Uh-huh. Yeah, Gaylord Opry. Yep. Yeah. Because that is the biggest hotel. That's what, that's what you'll need to house your, your folks. That's, that's right. <laughs> so I got one more question for you. And I'm going to let you go and get back to 360 painting and doing what you do best. Um, what's one myth that you could break um, right here, right now about franchising? Oh, um, I would say <clears throat> if, if there's a myth that, uh, I should say if there's a myth, I think that there's a myth sometimes that, you know, you, you buy a franchise and uh, you get kind of this like playbook and you open it up and you put money into it and it spits money back out at you, right? Um, that's not how it works. <laughs> it, it, it's not like a bank. <laughs> you don't open up an account, put money in and it comes back at you. It's still work. It's still a lot of work. And a lot of it comes from, you know, what, what you choose to do as a business owner. So um, it, it's, like I said, it's entrepreneur light. Um, so you still have to make your, your own way, but, but it's really great because you do get a playbook and you do get best practices. And the best part is not the playbook and it's not the best practices. It's the network of other owners in your system. So I, I, I would say that the myth is that, you know, you buy into a system and there's just kind of this like it's like an investment right that you just put money in and and it's a 401k and it spits money back out at you and that's how it works and and that's not how it works you do have to make some great decisions based off of your data and based off of what's happening in your market Um, and you have to choose right you choose your own adventure how much money do you put into your marketing fund and where do you spend that market those marketing dollars and how do you source your customers and also how are you as an employer in terms of recruiting? So that's the that's the myth buster. <laughs> that's huge. That's a big one. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing that one. Uh, there's a million myths about franchising and, and they're all incorrect. But, <laughs> but that that's a great one. And I what I often share is um, if you're the kind of person that thinks you're going to get in shape just because you joined the gym, doesn't mean don't buy a franchise because it's like the gym, you got to go and work. You got to do the right. work. It's, it's right. and, and the same thing in a friend, you got to do the work. So that's great. I really appreciate your time, Roxanne. This is so wonderful. If people are listening, they want to find out more about 360 Painting. You guys have a great website. Um, mm-hmm. It's premium service brands, but what's the, what's the website? Uh, 360painting.com uh, is the best way to find out about 360 Painting. And there's also a link to PSB down at the bottom too. Yep. So check that out or just hit me up on the franchiseacademy.com. I'll gladly make an introduction for you uh, and figure out which PBS brand would be good because they're different and they require a different kind of skill set. So this has just been great. I loved meeting you here today, Roxanne. Thank you so much. 
Say hello to everybody back in uh, PBS headquarters for me, Paul Flick and the whole gang. And uh, keep on going. God bless you and everything you do. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration. 